During the month of February, our theme is called Life Swap. We're looking at exchanging the old for the new. Now, I want to read you a, a kind of a theme scripture. It's not in your bulletin, so if you want to write this down, you can. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to 24, where Paul writes that you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. To put off the old and put on the new. And Paul is using um, the clothing analogy to help us visualize what God is wanting us to do, to get rid of some old garments, garments that we don't need anymore, but garments that sometimes we find difficult to get rid of. Now, this is a season when the weather gets warm that, that we go through our closets in a ritual called spring cleaning. Now, women do this more than guys, but I know my wife goes through and she pulls up all these things that are out of style, that, that she doesn't like anymore, that don't fit anymore, or, or torn, or whatever. She, she makes bags of stuff to take to goodwill. And really all she's doing is clearing space on the shelves for the new shopping season because she wants some new stuff. Keeps seeing new stuff all the time show up. And that's kind of how life works. We, we get rid of the old and we put on the new. But here's the problem. A lot of us don't want to get rid of the old. And guys, we're, we're very guilty of that. Why? Because the old is comfortable. And so we have old stuff that, that really looks hideous. And, and a lot of nightwear is that way. Like when Julie and I married, I had this, this pair of really thin, comfortable olive green pajamas. And they had buttons in front. And I, and I was just very comfortable. Living in Arizona at the time, it just was, was nice to wear at night because you didn't get all sweaty and everything. And when I got married, my wife says, oh, my goodness, get rid of that thing. Looks like snot. You know, just, <laughs> just get rid of that. And I thought, really, honey? They're just so comfortable. And I had this, uh, this, this tan corduroy suit that I, the first suit I ever bought, I was a senior in high school and needed to have a suit for senior pictures. So I, I went to the, the store, I think it was like JCPenney's, and the, the salesman said, this is in style, it's cool, it's hip. And I says, well, that's what I want. I want that suit. So I got this, this tan corduroy suit. And when I um, got, got married to my wife, she looked at that suit and says, oh, my goodness. I said, honey, that was, that, that's, that's cool. It's in style. You don't see many people wearing tan corduroy suits. And she goes, no, I really don't. And I don't intend to see anybody in a tan corduroy suit. So get rid of that thing right now. It's hard to get rid of stuff that's comfortable. And so Paul's saying, get rid of the old, but the same problem exists. We are comfortable with negativity and worry and living in fear. And we say, well, that's, that's where I, that my comfort zone. I just, I talk about it. I live in it. That becomes my identity. I don't know how to get rid of it. And so that's going to be the challenge over the next, next season of, of messages. How do we get rid of the old? Because God has a whole new wardrobe for us. God says, I've got some new stuff for you, some better stuff for you. You've got to get rid of the old stuff first to make room for the new. And he says, it's your responsibility. You put off the old. You put on the new. And so I'm going to ask you, would you be willing during this season to say, God, if there are stuff in my life that I need to get rid of, that I've carried around sometimes for decades, would you give me the courage to put it off and to take on something that's new that maybe I've never experienced before, but something beautiful that you have for me? Would you be willing to do that? I'm going to ask if you pray that to that end with me. Father, thank you for the privilege we have right now of listening to your spirit to remind us of the things that we really don't need anymore, the things that maybe have defined us for so many years, the things that have held us back. I pray, Lord, that we would do some spring cleaning, 
during this month of February to leave behind the old and accept the new that you have to give us. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Today we're going to talk about life swap, trading the old for the new. And what I talk about today is swapping failure for growth, failure for growth. And the reason I don't say failure for success is because sometimes success in the world's eyes isn't really success. Sometimes you may get to the top of the, the heap. You may, you may have a successful business. You may win the competition. But in the process, you, you storm over people. You break relationships. You compromise your values. And that's not success. So I don't want to say success because that, that may give a distorted view of what we really want to accomplish. What we want is growth. We want is growth, to move forward in our spiritual lives. See, what God wants for each one of us is, to, is for us to love God more and to love other people in better ways. And if we're moving in that direction, we are successful. That is spiritual growth. God wants us to grow. So what is failure? Failure is when you don't meet an intended objective. It's when you don't meet your desired goal. For example, it might be a performance failure. You know, you, you, you didn't win the competition. You know, there can only be one champion. Today, Super Bowl Sunday, 32 teams have played all year. All of them had as a goal for this year to be, to be the world champion. There's only going to be one today, and I know who it is. <laughs> I do. It's the team that scores the most points. <laughs> See, only one can wear that title. Everyone else will feel like we failed this year because we didn't reach our goal. That's a performance uh, uh, failure. And we see that in grades. We see that in jobs when you set goals, all kinds of things like that. And sometimes the fact is we aren't that good. We, we aren't the winners. We aren't the best. And so we can never get the top level. And so sometimes failure is inevitable for those of us in competitions. But here's another kind of failure that really affects everyone, moral failure. Because we all have that opportunity and the responsibility to make wise choices. And when we have an affair when we dive into pornography, when we cheat people in business, when we are rude and careless with our words, we experience a moral failure. And we damage not only ourselves and our reputation, but we hurt other people. And then there's some failures that I think are attributed to situations, situational failure. Like you start a business, it's the wrong time of year or the wrong business location, or you have a job that you're not properly trained for, and you fail. It's because of the circumstances, the situations. Now, in all those failures, it does something to us. It creates negative feelings inside, hurt and shame, disappointment, resignation. In fact, the, the way to deal with it in our culture is to deny it exists. So we have this thing in sports for young kids called participation trophies. Now, everybody wins because everyone participates. Because, because we're afraid of having people feel like they failed. Because failure damages the ego, it's believed, and creates damage. And we don't want to damage people. But I'm just going to tell you, we need to be honest about failures. Because failure is a seedbed for our growth. The only way you truly fail is when you stop growing. You want to keep growing through failure. You want to keep moving forward. We only fail when we stop growing. A good example of this is Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey, as a young man, 26 years old, was doing phenomenal in real estate. He, he was worth over a million dollars at that age. And then he made some unwise choices, 
created some debt in his life, and when the economy shifted, it began to snowball, and he couldn't dig himself out. He lost it all. And so he went back to the drawing board and, as a Christian, began to ask God, God, how do people make so much money and then lose so much money? What's going on in this world of finances? So he began to read every scripture on the subject of finances and developed a program called Financial Peace University, a program that we use. In fact, it's starting here a week from Wednesday night. The next, you can still sign up if you want to be part of it. But Financial, Universe, Financial Peace University helps people manage finances in a way that's consistent with scriptures and in a way that gives you confidence and peace in your heart. Now, Financial Peace University never would have been developed if Dave Ramsey hadn't failed in real estate. Failure is, is, is only harmful when we stop growing. Failure can actually be one of the best things that could ever happen to us because we don't learn a whole lot from successes. The times we ask the questions are when we fail. When we fail, we step back and go, why did that happen? Why did it turn out so bad? What did I do wrong? What do I need to do differently? Some of you have been through divorce. And God's not favorable for divorce. He doesn't encourage that. But here's what happened to a lot of people after divorce. They step back and go, what did I do in this relationship that wasn't right? What did I contribute to the failure of this marriage. And if I get married again, what do I need to do differently? And so you're living in a second marriage. And this marriage is going a lot better than your first marriage. Why? Because you learn through failure. Failure can be a means of great growth. It can be the fertilizer for your future. But as Paul said in that verse from Ephesians, the the transition from putting off the old to putting on the new is this verse, be made new in the attitude of your minds. So it's a matter of thinking, because you can't really change your feelings by just attacking your feelings. Stop feeling sad. Stop feeling hopeless. It just doesn't work. But here's what you can change, how I look at things. I want to tell you this. If you change how you look at things, it changes your feelings. So how should we look at failure? What is failure and what is it not? Well, there's three things I want to say about that. First of all, failure is not an option. Failure is an inevitable Failure is going to happen. Now, remember the movie Apollo 13? When those astronauts were, were, were uh, roaming through space and they were trying to figure out how to get them back down, and one of the issues was to eliminate the carbon dioxide buildup in the cabin because they had limited filters to process that. And so the crew on the ground had to take things like uh, the, the tubing from suits and plastic bags and cardboard and duct tape to come up, up with a way of filtering the air to extend their ability to have oxygen and come up with the solution. And so there's a famous line in the movie where Gene Kranz, who's the director of the mission, says to his crew that's working on the ground, we've only got about 24 hours to do this, but failure is not an option. Now, the funny thing is, in real life, he never said that. That's Hollywood's way of, of making a movie really great. The truth is, when the writers interviewed the, the actual people who were part of the Apollo project, then the men said, well, we, we put all the options on the table and failure wasn't one of them. And one of the writers went away and said, you know what, that's, that's the movie right there. Failure is not an option. We need to find a guy that can say that. And so they put the words in the mouth of Gene Kranz and, you know, the rest is history. We remember that line from the movie. But the truth is, failure is more than an option. Failure is inevitable. If you can never fail, that means you can never move. Because every time you move, you risk failure. 
Failure is inevitable. In James chapter 3, verse 2, it says, we all stumble in many ways. We all stumble, fail in our movement forward, not just once or twice, but in many ways. Now, think of a little child learning to walk. I remember our kids when they first learned to walk, and, you know, they, they hold on to furniture and do the, the table, the furniture kind of movement, and then when you, they let go, there's this kind of stuff, and then boom, right on the, right on the, the diaper, maybe head first, but usually on the, on the bottom, and they fall down, and what do you say? You're such a failure, you'll never learn to walk. <laughs> come on, get up. No, you're, go, come on, daddy's so happy for you, mama's so proud of you, get back up, try it again, and, and they get up, and they, whoa, they're doing this, and you know, we, when you first start walking with those uneasy steps, it's called toddling, toddling, it's kind of wobbly, that's why we have a, we have a group of children in our ministry program called toddlers. Now, we should, we should, we should create another category called the stumblers, the stumblers, because that's really what the nursery is, the stumblers. They keep falling. But you know what? Stumbling is a prerequisite to toddling. And toddling is a prerequisite to strolling, that smooth walk. And strolling is a prerequisite to running. And if you ever want to run, it's going to start with stumbling. You can't just skip that and say, I'm just going just to immediately jump up and start running. It doesn't work that way. And it doesn't work that way with hardly any area of life. You will stumble. You'll stumble in marriage. You'll stumble in business. You'll stumble in finance. You'll stumble in just... I, I can think of so many areas of my life where I've stumbled. But... But you don't stay there. You don't stay there. You keep moving forward. Every success story has as a backdrop a series of failures. This man, a political figure, failed in his bid for Congress, failed in his bid for Senate, failed in his bid to be nominated as vice president. And when he was finally elected, he was elected president of the United States, Abraham Lincoln, one of the greatest presidents we've ever had. You, you know about his presidency. Oftentimes you don't know about the failures behind him. That's the truth. There's, there's stories of failure. The road to progress is not paved with perfection. So expect that I'm going to fail as I move forward, but don't accept it. Don't accept it as the end. Accept it as part of your growth. Failure is not a person. Failure is an event. So often we fail Especially with the big fail, failures, the failures that affect other people, business-wise, family-wise, our marriage, you know, all those sorts of things. We look in the mirror and we start to beat ourselves up and go, I am such a failure. I'm no good to anybody. And you know, when you go down that path, it's a very destructive. It can, it can become even suicidal because you see yourselves as, as I will never change, I will never be different. This is, this is who I am. But you need to know failure is not an identity. Failure is an event. Failure is what you did. Failure was a bad choice. Failure was something you weren't able to do. It's an event in your life. Be careful of the enemy's whispers. The enemy will whisper to you that you are a failure. Don't buy it. See, there was a man who did buy that. His name was Judas. Judas was one of Jesus' chosen disciples. He followed Jesus for three years. And yet during that time, some men came to Judas and said, hey, if, if you would betray him and turn him over to authorities, we will give you some money, 30 pieces of silver, which, which Judas thought, man, that's a lot of money. I could use that money. And just this little decision I could make could get me easy money, I'll do that. So he betrayed, betrayed Jesus one night, and they gave him the money. But within 24 hours, Judas had great remorse. He recognized that Jesus truly was an innocent man, and he betrayed him. He tried to give the money back, and they wouldn't take it. 
Judas cried out, I have sinned, for I have betrayed innocent blood. He failed. He failed to honor his Savior. And you know the rest of that story? Judas went out and did what? He hung himself. He hung himself. Why? Because he, he heard the whisper, you are a failure. You know, it, it would have been beautiful if Judas, in that, in that moment of remorse, would have followed Jesus to the cross, would have looked at him as he was nailed there and with tears down his eyes or down his cheeks, would have felt the pain of what he had done. But I believe he would have heard words from Jesus that everyone else heard that was around the cross. Father, forgive him, for he did not know what he did. And yet he, he never got to experience that because he saw himself as a failure. Don't label yourself as a failure just because you experienced a failed event. That is not your identity. Man, can you imagine inventors, how they must battle that all the time? I mean, Thomas Edison tried over 10,000 filaments before he found the right one for the incandescent light bulb. And the man who invented the, uh, the bagless vacuum, Dyson, he tried over 5,000 prototypes before he struck the, the one that worked. Can you imagine as an inventor coming home from the shop night after night, your wife says, hey, honey, how did it go today? Did, did you get it? No, tried two or three more versions. They didn't work. I mean, 5,000, that, that means he's, he's like coming home every day for a couple years. <laughs> didn't work. Nope, failed. It's not, it's not happening. At some point, the wife has to say, honey, give it up. It is not going to work. No, I'm at 5,000. I, I, I got I to try again. I got to try again. And bingo, he finds the right one, becomes a millionaire. I mean, you've got to go through failure on the path to success. Failure is not only inevitable, failure is not your identity. And then failure is not final, it is redeemable. It is not final, it is redeemable. It's so interesting that when we fail, we think that's the end of the story. I can never do it because I failed. I remember the very first time I preached in a church. Now, I never wanted to be a preacher. I wanted to be like a youth pastor, maybe a, a guidance counselor for high school. But I took a preaching course in college, and my professor liked me, and he, he assigned me to preach one Sunday at a church in Iowa. So I went to Rockwell City, Iowa, on a Sunday morning to deliver my very first sermon ever. Now, I had worked really hard all week long to put it together, but when I drove up to that church, uh, my heart started to pound, and I started feeling really nauseous. I walked into church, and they had this huge podium, and it was like a chariot. You actually stood up in it like this, and, and everyone faced the chariot. And so I walked back outside, and I threw up. <laughs> and I said, God, I can't do this. I didn't want to be a preacher I don't want to get in front of all these people and have them stare at me and make a fool of myself. Please get me out of this. Then God whispered, put your pants on and get back in there. <laughs> and I preached, and I felt awful afterwards. And I said, I got that out of the way. I definitely know this is not what I'm called to do. Now let's get on with real life. And have you guys ever felt that way where you just tried something? It might be your new job, and you went home just screaming and say, man, I hate my job. I, I, mean, I could never do this. It's too hard. Or, or you took a college course, and the, and the first week you said, man, this is over my head. There's no way I'm going to stay with this course. I'm going to drop out. And you hung with it and began to learn and grow. See, just don't, don't think that just because you failed at the moment that that's final. That doesn't have, failure doesn't have to write the epitaph on your tombstone. In fact, let it be the prologue 
not the last chapter. Let it be the beginning of this great story that God is going to write in your life. Put failure at the front end of what God is doing for you. I think of the Apostle Paul and the failures in his life. See, the Apostle Paul was a Christian hater. And, and he didn't serve the Lord, didn't love God. He arrested Christians, um, had them thrown into prison, even watched some of them get stoned to death. And yet God picked him to be the greatest missionary the church has ever known. Change his name from Saul to Paul. And when Paul is writing a letter to a young pastor named Timothy, he reflects on what God did in his life. And he says this. It's found in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy, get this, because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Not in spite of the fact I acted in ignorance and unbelief, but because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord is poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. It was because he was a failure that, that God says, I want that guy. See, we often think that God's looking for the perfect man or the perfect woman for the job. And we do that. I want to find the perfect small group leader, the perfect band member, the perfect staff member. And God says, no, I'm looking for the flawed one who's pliable that I can use and redeem because that's a greater story. And so you go through the Bible and you look at people like Abraham who was so old and Sarah who didn't trust God's promise and Jacob who was a liar and Moses who questioned God and murdered a man, Gideon who was a doubter, David who committed adultery, Matthew a tax collector and a cheat, James and John who had short fuses, Peter who denied Jesus and became the most outspoken preacher in the New Testament. Failure, hey, on the front end, but a glorious testimony on the back end. You remember last week, Keola shared his story when, when he relapsed and went back to Hawaii and just spiraled downward. People would have said, you know, that's, that's a supreme failure. But look what God's doing now. In fact, there's a man going to be baptized. He's going to baptize next service who was moved by his story and wants that same thing to happen in his life and asked Keola if he would baptize him. I love what Dennis Waitley says about failure. Failure should be our teacher, not our undertaker. Our teacher, not an undertaker. I'm reminded of a story of the executive of uh, IBM, Tom Watson, in the 1960s. Had a, had a man come to him, a leader of a department, who made a huge blunder. His whole department squandered an opportunity that cost the company $10 million dollars. He was called in to meet with the CEO, Tom Watson, and was really prepared to be fired. When he walked in, he hung his head, and he was all prepared for the pink slip when Tom Watson said to him, heck no, I'm not firing you. We just, invent, we just invested $10 million in educating you. Now get back there and don't make the same mistake again. That's what we learn in the midst of our failures, how to do things better. In fact, I want to share with you very quickly some, some steps we can take to grow through failure. Number one, know that every step of faith poses failure. Every step of faith sets you up for potential failure. You just know that. When God calls you to obey him, there's a chance. When Noah built the ark, he'd never seen a flood. There's potential that would never come. When Elijah called, called on God to bring fire from heaven, what if it didn't happen? What if the fire never came? I remember when Peter was in the boat during the storm and said, Jesus, if that's really you, 
call me out onto the water to join you. And so Jesus said, Peter, come. So Peter got out of the water, out of the boat, and walked on water. And then he looked around and saw the waves and heard the wind and said, oh, what am I doing walking on water? And he began to sink. And he cried out to Jesus, and Jesus reached over and grabbed him. Now, people would say, man, he failed. He failed to trust the Lord. But I have to tell you this. He did something you and I have never done. He walked on water. And you cannot walk on water if you never get out of the boat. And when you get out of the boat, there's a risk you could sink. And that's what happens with faith. You've got to just recognize there's, a, there's potential. Because here's the alternative. I'm never going to do anything. I'm going to bury my talent in the ground. And then you can guarantee your failure. Let's take the risk of growing and being successful in God's eyes by stepping out. Secondly, take responsibility for your failures. Don't blame your parents. Don't blame your spouse. Don't blame the economy. Don't blame the government or the president of the United States. Say, I made a mistake. I made a bad choice. And I'm going to learn from it and grow from it. You know, I, I find a culture when, when people are honest about their flaws, people are receptive to them. Thirdly, gain knowledge in the character that can be gained through the failure. Thomas Edison said, I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that don't work. <laughs> you know, we've learned as a church. We've learned things. We've tried things. We've changed services. We've changed elements and services. We've changed programs. We've hired different staff persons. And along the way, we've learned some lessons of things not to do, of mistakes not to make again. Remember a little over a year ago, we decided we're going to show video announcements. So we're going to let you sit back and listen to someone tell you what's going on, but, but it's like watching TV. And the feedback we got was, we don't want to watch TV. We want to hear a person. We want to see someone who's live. And so we said, okay, let's just can that. Didn't work. We learned something. And we made changes within the services that you experience here um, every Sunday because we're learning things to do and things not to do. Also, we learn character issues, that, man, everything's got to be bathed in prayer. We can't do anything without God's blessing without God's wisdom. And so we want to learn those lessons and do them in a better way. And then here's the fourth thing you can do in, in growing from failure. Keep trying. Like that little infant learning to walk, get back up. Get on that saddle again. In the book of Proverbs, it says this. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. They rise again. Get back up. Quit wallowing in self-pity. Keep moving forward. I love what Michael Jordan said about his secret to success. Michael Jordan, probably the greatest basketball player that's ever lived. Listen to this quote by Michael Jordan. I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. On 26 occasions, I've been entrusted to take the game-winning shot, and I missed. I have failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. See, we don't, we don't focus on all the failures, but failures are part. In fact, I think they're like the fertilizer for our future growth. It's what God uses to help us to grow. In the world's eyes, Jesus was a failure. In the world's eyes, that's not how the king was to be born in a stable among stinking animals. That's not how a king should function. He should have an army, and instead Jesus, Jesus drafted 12 odd characters, fishermen, tax collectors, zealots to follow him. He didn't have a house to his name. In fact, when Jesus was crucified, the only garment he possessed was the garment he wore. He died a criminal's death. And by all worldly standards, they would have to say, this man was not blessed. This man was not successful. He failed. And yet you and I know that's not the end of the story. That was all part of God's bigger story 
of a glorious victory because Jesus was ushering a whole new society that turns values upside down, that sees success in a very different way and takes our failures and actually uses them for good in our lives. See, many of you in this place are stuck in a place of failure. You've labeled yourself a failure or you're wallowing in these old garments because that's just who you are. These things you've done in the past, that's become part of your comfortable wardrobe. But I'm just telling you today, today to drop it behind. Say, God, I'm learning from this. God, I want to grow from this. And so I'm going to invite you to do that today. Would you stand where you are? And prayer partners, would you come along front here? I'd like you to take your failures. And some of the worst failures, to be honest, I know in my life, have been in my marriage and my failures in parenting. And I can't go back and change the past, but here's what I can do right now. I can say, God, thank you that you have grace for me today. Thank you that you will forgive me. And thank you that you will pick me up, put me back on my feet, and the future will be better than the past. God is not looking for perfect people. He's looking for honest, flawed people. I think that's all of us, right? 